Hey everybody, it's Ty, and welcome back to episode four of the TKT Sports Podcast. Join alongside Ty and Cameron to conclude the second of the back-to-back. Continuing from episode three, we will be going over the Eastern Conference standing predictions. But first, Ty, I wanted to ask you, the Chicago Blackhawks game, Detroit took another W tonight. What did you see in that game? Yeah, honestly, I'm really glad to see guys like Lucas Raymond stepping up to the plate for Detroit at four-point night. I know Maurice Sider also had a couple points tonight. And obviously, I'm glad to see them putting up points. But just from a uh, fantasy perspective, I was very disappointed in Alex DeBruyncat. We all saw that uh, Alexander Nijekovic robbery, which could have won me my week. But, you know, one and one going into week three. Hoping to go two and one. Can't complain. Yeah, Cameron, um, did you tune into that game or what are you thinking about your your fantasy team or any of your fantasy players that played tonight? Yeah, you know, mostly I was focusing this morning on the Boston Sharks game. And I saw the Sharks lose their winning streak here. And I think it was pretty predictable that they were going to lose to Boston because you saw their competition at the start of the season just wasn't as uh, deadly as what they went up against this morning. So I saw that coming. And I also saw Marshan continue his point streak. And he has seven points in his last four games. And Boston's looking pretty good overall with the 3-1-0 record. And um, I just wanted to mention the uh, Nashville game with Roman Yossi, a four-point night, one goal, three assists, and plus three, I believe, with two power play points. And he was on for all five goals scored for uh, Nashville. And I just just wanted to mention that. Yeah, um, I did tune into the Boston game myself because I do have Linus Olmark on my team. It was the 11 a.m. start time. So, you know what? I tuned in myself, and it was a close one. They almost blew the lead, but... Luckily enough, they did give the Sharks their first L of the season. Not too surprised there. Boston is starting to heat up a little bit. Marshan, their top line, looking really good right now. Pasternak, I think, got a goal or two. So good sights among the Bruins. But the next thing I wanted to ask you guys about was, um, is, is there anyone that you're really surprised to see not producing to the level that they're expected of right now? Yeah, Cameron, uh, you can take this for, one away. For which team was this? Or just any team in general? Or? Um, I'm talking about the um, any team, any chart right now. Um, so we're talking about players who aren't producing or producing unexpectedly? Uh, not producing. Or not producing. So uh, I want to talk about Mitch Marner. Like I've talked about him before, but him and Austin Matthews have been unexpectedly producing nothing so far this season, except for one assist in his very first game of the year for Marner. I also want to mention, let's see, Swayman. He, um, he's been producing pretty well, but um, for fantasy, he hasn't been good for me this week specifically. He's only had two games this season to, uh, to consider that, but, his last game was kind of an L, and I hope to see him do better, and I believe he'll do better than that. So, off to Utah. Yeah, for me, my disappointment player so far has been uh, 
Alex DeBruncat, obviously he's a 40-some goal scorer, proven-wise. But it shows how much of effect, like tonight against Detroit, I believe the final score was 6-3 to three for Detroit. It shows how much of effect Patrick Kane has on that weak um, Chicago team. Like Alex DeBruncat, I believe I read the duo has like a 5.5 goals for 60 minutes over the past three years, but DeBrincat without Kane has like a 3.17 or something like that. And it just shows how much, like how much a team can rely on one player. Yeah. And then speaking about the Blackhawks, um, the guy I wanted to bring up was Jonathan Taves, who went pointless to start the season. The first five games recorded zero and actually was a minus six plus minus. So Luckily enough, someone in my league dropped him, and I picked him up. And tonight, he put up two assists and almost a goal. Need to slow, but that's a good sight to see, even without Patrick Kane on that power play. So when he's back, that should boost Taves and Debrinkit. So, yeah, even though the Blackhawks haven't looked good as a team, they might have some good value up front on their offense. Yeah, you agree with me there. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, like Debrinket and Marner, two guys who are going to put up a lot of points who haven't really done anything this year. Um, I think they both turn it around. It's just sometimes it comes down to the guys they're playing with. And I'm a little bit higher on the Blackhawks right now than the Leafs. Like Marner's got one assist in six games, and this he's getting paid $11 million. So we'll talk about the Leafs a little bit later, but uh, I'd be pressing the panic button if I had them. Yeah, I um uh, I am definitely pressing the panic button right now, so it's a yeah. hard thing to see your second or second pick produce as little as that. Yeah, well this episode we got a lot to talk about, so I think we should get right into the uh Eastern Conference predictions. Yeah, so first we're gonna dive into the Atlantic division. So starting off my list, my number one team in that division. I have the Florida Panthers at number one. You would you guys agree on that one? Or Ty, I know you are a big Tampa Bay fan, so you might have some contraindicating um, uh, opinion. But what do you guys think about the Panthers this season? Do you think that they are the cup favorite? And do you think that their talent is enough to take the number one? Yeah, well, no doubt they have talent all over the board. They're top nine. I know in this podcast, we've been very high on it. They have so many different line combinations they can put together. Their defense, Aaron Eckblad and Mackenzie Weger, absolutely killing it so far through the season. Their goalie tandem, another sleeper for that William M. Jennings trophy, and Sergei Burowski and Spencer Knight. I have noticed that Spencer Knight has only played one game, and that was against my Tampa Bay Lightning, which he shut the door on them. But I don't see them sitting Sergei Borowski for that many games this year, as he's being paid upwards of like $11 million. But I would have to agree with this prediction, and I do have my Tampa Bay Lightning in the first place in that Atlantic division. Yeah, Tampa Bay is a very talented team. They have won the Stanley Cup two times now in a row. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that, but the reason for why I have the Panthers at number one is, first of all, their goaltending tandem. Spencer Knight looking 
good in the one game he played in, and Bobrovsky has been probably the best NHL goaltender this season to start the year, which is a good sight for a guy who was paid $11 million and had was given very high expectations for this team. But looking at their top nine forward group, um, definitely I'd say the best forward depth in the NHL. They have a lot of guys who can play anywhere, and you're seeing like Sam Reinhardt on line three still producing. You got Duclair on line one. You have Horson Bertrano on line four. So they do have the defense and goaltending core, which could help them win a game. But like looking at their offense, they they have enough. Um, they have they have a safety net where it's like they can score enough goals to win a game. Yeah, I think you guys covered it all pretty much. Anything you want to add for the Panthers, Cameron? Or no. Everything's mostly I've covered in the other episodes. I'm very high on the team, and I believe that they will take this first spot in the Atlantic Division. All right. Um, you guys might be able to figure out who my second team is, but it is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hard not to put them any lower, considering that they have won back-to-back cups. But I feel like they did lose a couple important players this offseason, which might set your team a little bit. And I did bring this up in episode one or two. So I'm going to ask you, Ty, first, do you think that they can fill in the shoes of losing Blake and Barkley Goodrow? Yeah, they obviously they added so much depth to this team. They brought in a couple cheaper guys, guys like Corey Perry, uh, Pierre Edward Belmare, who had a very good preseason but hasn't really proved it throughout their regular season. Um, I do like their depth this year. Guys like Ross Colton coming up, uh, Boris Katschuk even, Taylor Radish, all young guys that they could build a team around in the future. Their defense, pretty suspect with Mikhail Sergachev on that third line. I do like Jan Rutta up there with Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman will always be a solid defenseman in my eyes. And then just looking at their goaltending tandem, Andre Vasilevsky hasn't had the best start to the season, but... He's one of those top players where you know he's going to turn it around. Then Brian Elliott, I don't think he's been given a shot yet. Maybe he'll be given in a back-to-back. But I can see Vasilevsky turning this team around pretty soon. Yeah, I I believe the only way they can win the Cup again is if they keep Patty Maroon on this team. He seems to bring the luck <laughs> to every team that he plays on. Except <laughs> so, Edmonton. Yeah, except yeah. Edmonton, but who brings luck to Edmonton? Uh, I love that you brought Patty Maroon up. Um, he is on line three with Ross Colton and Corey Perry. Corey Perry is on power play one right now. So interesting move for that team, losing Kucherov. Um, Ty, do you want to just talk about Kucherov quickly and how important he is to this to the success of this team? Yeah, Kucherov provides just that star talent on the team. Uh, he makes a power play one. He makes Tampa Bay's best power play unit what it is. I think he's a better sniper than uh, Ovechkin. Obviously, a little bias there, but yeah, he hot provides take a lot of work. Hot, yeah, hot very take. hot That's take. Very hot take. Well, very I have to say, take. he does put up points. He did do it in that one 2018-2019 season. I think he put up 125 points. So, yeah, I think that just shows his pedigree of what he is. And yeah, it just—it's just like last year. They will be without him for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but, I believe November thirteenth is when it's projected. So, but yeah, the owners like me. Another guy they did lose was 
Melanie Gord to the expansion draft. I think that is a big loss, but guys like Matthew Joseph, Sorelli, and Paulot, I feel like they could step up their games and kind of fill in some of that much-needed support in the middle six. So I think they'll be okay, but I do think they took a slight step back considering injuries and off-season moves. But I do have um, the Panthers ahead of them for this season. But moving on to Team 3, I have the Boston Bruins who won tonight. Um, obviously, great offensive core in Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak, making up one of the best lines in the NHL, as well as an elite defenseman in McAvoy. And I saw a goalie tandem, which I could see winning the William J, or whatever it's called, Ty, or the William. Uh, William M. Jennings. William M. Jennings Award. <laughs> very good goaltending tandem on a, a very successful team that should pay off. I I would have them as one of my picks for this year, but I'll start off with you, Ty. What do you think about the Bruins, and would you agree with them being placed at the third position? Yeah, I can definitely see the Bruins being put over a team like the Leafs. Leafs off to a very slow start, but we'll get into that later. The... Um, Austin Bruins, though, have that very stacked line. I know you mentioned the Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak line. And then a pretty solid second line, I'd say, in Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, and Thomas Nosek. Uh, Defensive-wise, there are guys like Derek Forbert, who I'm not too big a fan of. I know Mike Riley they acquired last year, and he did have a pretty hot streak. But I'm not really a fantasy owner of Boston. I know Cameron, you are. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I love the start they've gotten off to, especially Brad Marchand. And of course, you're going to be having that line produced considering they're one of the best lines in the league and with a good defense behind them and a good goalie. They're they're a pretty hard team to stop when it comes to offense and when they're a pretty hard team to score on. So I think I see a successful season ahead of them. Um, yeah, but they're right to be placed in this third place here. I also would have to say that they have a top power play in the NHL, not to the pedigree of Tampa Bay or Edmonton, but I do see them in that top five. They have McAvoy, Pasternak, Hall, Bergeron, and Marchand. Can't really get much better than that. And there's also a couple of other really good middle six wingers who are injured right now, Curtis Lazar, Felino, and Craig Smith. So when they're back, that should boost the team even more. Um, I don't know. I think I think talked about Boston already in the past. So we'll move on to the next team. We just brought them up, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Brutal start to start the season. Martyr and Matthews have pretty much done nothing for them. Um, the only production that this team has been seeing has been their middle six. Um, do you guys think that turn this around and make the playoffs, or do you think that they're going to have a very disappointing end season and let a lot of fans, fans down? I think they're going to pick it up eventually. They have a good enough team to turn this around. Sometimes teams just go in a slump wherever in the season. I think they just had that slump at the start. But they usually, with a team of this caliber, I believe they're going to break out. And I I don't think Marner and Matthews are going to stay being one of the lowest scorers in the NHL, like or on their team at least. You know, They're both high-caliber players, and I believe – Matthews has a shot at the Richard trophy and Marner is just going to feed off of that with points so 
I don't see this lasting very long, hopefully, because I have Marner on my team. But if it does, I'm going to start to really panic. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I feel like one, it's hard to pinpoint why they are not having success, uh, Matthews and Marner. But one reason that I was thinking of maybe is because they can't find that top left winger, like a guy they had in Hyman. Uh, Hyman, with Hyman, they produce so well together. They're a top line. And I guess that just kind of proves how valuable it is to have three good players on one line. Yeah, speaking about Zach Hyman, I think he was a lot more valuable than a lot of people thought he was. And I feel like they're starting to notice it without him there. He has looked good with the Oilers on the power play, but also being a good even-strength guy and PK. So I feel like a guy like him on Toronto was extremely valuable and almost irreplaceable. Like Nick Ritchie can only do so much, and he hasn't looked good. But one guy I would watch out for to maybe break out is Michael Bunching. I do... I do like what I saw from him last year, and I feel like he's someone who could fill in, but not to the extent of what Zach Hyman did the last few years. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. But yeah, their topics needs to start getting going here. It's um, it's a little bit embarrassing. Like They haven't produced anything at all, and you have guys like Jason Spezza with three to four points. Like Their bottom six has done more than their top six, and that's not a great look for a team like the Leafs who are constantly in the media and it's like eyes are always on them so there's definitely a lot of pressure over there but it is early in the season so i feel like it's unrealistic for them to um continue playing at this level of hockey all right well moving on from the leafs i have the ottawa senators at the fifth spot in the atlantic division i do have them over teams like the habs who I think took a huge regression this season and we're starting to see it now, but taking the attention back onto the senators, I think they're a very underrated team, which continues to improve um, guys like Tim Stutz, Liberty Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Bathers, all young players looking spectacular. Um, all very underrated players, I think too, but yeah, even guys like Shane Pinto rookies, uh, I think that they are a sleeper for the playoffs, but do you think that they're going to have enough talent to actually make it? Well, yeah, for me, this is, yeah, for me, this is a team I'm actually very high on. I like how young they are and they're still able to keep uh, composure on the ice. Guys like Shabbat, uh, he hasn't proved it yet this season, but we all know he can run a power play. Guys like Brady to Chuck just coming back. Honestly, probably one of the older guys on this very young team. I am very high on Drake Batherson and Josh Norris as well. I know Josh Norris got on a little hot streak for goals. Uh, but just looking at the bottom six, these guys like Alex Formenton, who's a sleeper pick. These guys like Zach Sanford, Logan Shaw, and Tyler Ennis, the former Edmonton Oiler. Uh, yeah, they're all solid players that I can see making very big improvements into this team. Just going to the defense, these guys like Victor Mitte, the former uh, Montreal Canadian, who actually had a really good World Juniors, I believe it was. Yes. Yeah, Victor Mitte was a very solid for Team Canada, and I believe he'll be able to prove himself eventually in the NHL. Yeah, you know, I think um, Ottawa's a really good young team. They may not have what it takes to make the playoffs this year, 
but who knows hockey is a pretty un- unpredictable sport but i see within the next three years i'm becoming a very good team yeah they've made some interesting roster moves over the past few years they have made some good trades a couple bad ones like losing mark stone for not the most in return but getting guys like josh norris um getting or drafting batherson kachuk stutzla um this is a team who i see in the future being a playoff team maybe not quite yet but maybe in three to four years as these guys continue to grow their game but a couple of guys i wanted to mention is colin white he's yeah. currently injured hasn't played yet i feel he's back he'll be a great second third line center for this team and will probably help out their wingers a little bit but one thing i wanted to mention was their goalie tandem a lot of question marks surrounding matt murray had a great tenure with the pittsburgh penguins obviously winning the stanley cup and actually taking mark andre's spot at 22 years old which was pretty shocking and then considering that he's on the ottawa senators he did have a pretty bad season last year I feel like a lot of this team's success does come down to their goaltending. If Matt Murray can have a bounce back season or at least revitalize his career at this stage. But yeah, I feel like guys like Philip Gustafson and Anton Forsberg, if Matt Murray's not going, they're going to have to be sensational. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Matt Murray also did get taken out by Chris Crowder, I believe it was, the other night against the Rangers. I hated seeing that. Yeah. Chris Kreider is a goalie hunter. (laughs) We've seen it with Carey Price uh, multiple times, not just like two to three times. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're good to move on to the next team. Speaking about Carey Price, my sixth team is the Montreal Canadiens, who is one of my favorite teams. But being realistic here, I do understand that they took a massive regression this offseason. That isn't their fault, Curry Price being gone, and then Shea Weber most likely playing his last NHL game last season. It looks like he's going to have to retire due to his injuries, which is unfortunate. But yeah, the Montreal Canadiens have had the slow start to start this season, starting off 0-5. I do they won the other night, but still not enough. Cole Caulfield, Tyler Toffoli, a lot of these guys who had quite high expectations going season based off the conclusion of the 2020 season haven't done much so far would you guys be hitting the panic button with this team or do you think that they can bounce Uh, Cameron you can start this one off Uh, I don't see them really doing that good this season to be honest Uh, I feel like they've lost a lot of key players and to be honest I think making the finals last year was kind of lucky in my opinion they had a lot of luck on their side, and they also had Carey Price carrying them throughout the whole playoffs. So I don't see them being a good team this year. Yeah, well, what I'm about to say, I know our boy uh, Rannon's going to hate, but I don't see them even being a contender team this year. Uh, Carey Price doesn't have a timeline right now. Shea Weber, uh, probably out indefinitely, like you just mentioned. Their offense, they did add guys like Mike Hoffman and Matthew Perot, which will provide a bit of extra strength on that top nine, but I don't see them going anywhere this season. I don't see them making playoffs. Yeah, it's a rough season for them. 
yeah, it's gonna suck to watch them play. Yeah, just seeing how they've been doing so far, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished last in the division. Just seeing how it's <laughs> been going for them. Yeah, like the Red Wings have been looking better. Even Sabers, who are surprisingly, <laughs> I think, at the top of the conference right now. Yeah, you hate to say it, but it's that's not good. Not looking good, I'm fine. I will say the Montreal Canadiens do have some pretty good winger depth, um, but the question mark does rely on the centermen. They lost Philip Deneau, who I really loved defensively and just as an all-around centerman. Um, I feel like he's irreplaceable. And Nick Suzuki, who got that massive contract extension, hasn't done anything so far either. And yeah, that, that contract extension is going to really test him a little bit going to have to make him take a huge step up and almost fill in the shoes for losing a second centerman in Deno. But yeah. to team seven, I have, let me look here, the Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings who have been pretty surprising to start this season, I would say. Tyler Bertuzzi has six goals now. Lucas Raymond got a hat-trick tonight. And yeah, they have three outstanding rookies Team. So, yes, uh, a very talented young team, a very bright future. I would not sleep on them just seeing how they've done so far, but I do see them as a playoff team looking three to five years down the road. But talking about this season, I don't see them making the playoffs. I can't see them maintaining what they're playing right now. But I'll, I'll start with you, Ty. What do you think about the Red Wings? And is there any players you're really loving so far? Well, yeah, this season, there's just been so many storylines. Uh, just to zoom in on one, there is Maurice Sider. That's a defenseman I'm very high on this season. Uh, it looks like he did take over Nick Letty's spot on that first power play unit. I'm glad to see that going down. Good to have that rookie um, exposure to that first power play. Give him some uh, power play quarterback time. There's also uh, Philip Zadina who I don't believe has proved himself this year. Uh, these guys like Lucas Grayman, Tyler Bertuzzi, like you mentioned. There's also another guy, uh, Pia Suter, who's a very good signing. I really like that signing off Chicago. I was confused why they didn't re-sign him, but it's good to ha- see him in a Detroit Red Wings jersey. He can provide a lot of depth in that top six, and I do believe that's that second-line center they're looking for. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, we're missing a key component here. They have Dylan Larkin as well, an excellent center on the first line, leading the power play unit too as well. So I see a good future for this team in the next couple of years upcoming. Yeah, I think that Pius Suter setting was really underrated this offseason. I don't know why Chicago didn't keep him. I'm going to guess it's because Kirby Doc and Taze were back and they didn't really have a spot for him in the lineup. So I'm going to guess it had to do with that, but... He hasn't really done anything for the Red Wings so far this season, but I would expect to change. And if he does start producing, that's only going to make this team even better. But yeah, that top line in Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Raymond's been really red hot this season. Um, but yeah, one thing I wanted to mention was Maurice Sider, like Ty brought up. I am an owner of him in fantasy, and I could see him being a cult analyst, but it is tough for defensemen just having such a big responsibility offensively and defensively. And yeah, he did take Nick 
thought on powerfully one that was one thing that caught my eye this morning when I was looking through um, NHL Rotowire <laughs> for my daily lineups. But yeah, um, Nedeljkovic and Thomas Grease, I think it's one of the more underrated goalie times in the league. We know what Nedeljkovic did last season for the Hurricanes, was one of the best rookies last year. And then um, Tomas Grease, um, when he was on the Islanders, great backup goaltender. I feel like if they're doing really well, that's going to just only make the team even better. Yeah, no, fair enough. Here we can right. move on to the next team. All right, so final, Ethan, final team. Um, yeah, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty bad, the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about this team for very long. We kind of know what they're like at this point. All I'm going to say is Jack Eichel needs to be treated as soon as possible. I just don't want to see such a talented player have his prime wasted and having, and I just hope that they allow him to get the disc replacement surgery. I just, I don't want to see this guy sit on the IR the whole season and waste all this talent that could be used on a contender. Yeah, I feel bad for Jack Eichel, but another player that's talents being wasted on that team is their number one defense in Rasmus Dalin. Uh I know um, Rasmus Ristolainen found his way out of uh, Buffalo, I think, over the offseason. But yeah, I have to feel bad for Rasmus Dalin. And even the former Edmonton Oilers, Jake Kajula. Sucks to see him on that fourth line in Buffalo. Hate to see it. Yeah, I think you guys covered most of it. I mean, they're not a very good team, and a lot of talent is going to waste on that team. I just think I, they need to rebuild and or keep rebuilding, and eventually, in the far future, I think they'll eventually become a playoff contender. Yeah, as much as they want to rebuild, uh, Jeff Skinner is untradeable at this point with that $9 million contract, so I would expect him to be there for a while. That's unfortunate for him, but guys like Rasmus, Cage, Thompson, Victor Olafson have been really good to start this season, but out of all the hot teams so far, this is the team where I feel like it's the most unsustainable and will eventually crumble. Um, pretty, I don't. That's pretty self-explanatory. Even guys like Gergensen on the third line, it's. Um, I'm going to leave it at there. It's not sustainable. All right, and then yeah. starting with the Metropolitan Division, as my president's trophy winner, I have the New York Islanders. I love this team. I love their goalie tandem. I think it's the best goalie tandem in the NHL. And this is a very underrated team. They've proven it every single season. Their defensive core is very talented, and then they have a very deep offensive core. Um, I'll start with you. What do you think about the New York Islanders? Do you think that they can finish first in the NHL, or do you think that's a long shot? For me, I honestly do think that first in the NHL is a long shot. I'm not going to take any disrespect away from the or respect away from this team. They're playing great. I believe it was Arizona they shut out last night. Um, uh, Sorokin starting back-to-back nights against the Vegas Golden Knights so far has yet to let in a goal. Love to see him. There's also guys like Anders Lee, Matt Barzell, Josh Bailey. Not your McDavid-type players, but they just have depth throughout their whole roster. And I, I love to see it. They're a good team. 
I think they're a pretty deep team and they're systematic, very efficient in their plays and that's what they do good and that's where they're a good playoff team. They don't have a lot of star player skills on their team, but um, they also have the addition of um, Zach Parise, which is pretty good and I'd, I'd like to see that on that team and he's a pretty good player, fast and has a good shot, so I believe this team will finish high in the division and high in the league, but I don't see them being first in the league and or even in the division. Yeah, that was one of my bold takes on my predictions list. And yeah, there's a good chance that they don't, but the reason for why I have them finishing first is mainly based off their goalie tandem. I could see Sorokin finishing as a Vesna candidate this season, another bold, but... Just seeing what he did last season and the production he was putting up in his games played, his C percentage shutouts, goals against average as a rookie goaltender, promising. And then having Varlamov, who last year was a top five goaltender, it's just so stacked. Like every night they have a solidified goal in their net who I believe could win a game. And yes, looking at their roster, I feel like they have a great playoff style team with their defensive oriented game. And guys like Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulak, like, you know, great defensive D-man. But as well, they don't have a lot of star players, which makes it seem unique. But having such a deep top nine, like J.G. Pajot, Oliver Wallstrom, and Zach Kruse on line three, and then like Sezikas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin on line four. Like, talk about that. Like, that, that is yeah. such a playoff-oriented team. Yeah, it's a very deep team. Super underrated team. And like Brock Nelson, Beauvillier, Paul Murray, these guys who, I mean, talking about fantasy are under 50% rostered. It's just all these guys are so talented. Like, they're none of them really stand out as like a star, but other than Barzell, but they're just all so like consistent. And it's just, they're such a deep team. Yeah, I think we're good to move on to the second team. I think we covered it all. Yep. And then also inside New York, at number two, I have the Rangers. They are one of my favorite teams. I do like a lot of their players. I've had a lot of a lot of their players in fantasy before, like Fox, Panarin, Vooch. But what I wanted to talk about on the Rangers is Ilya, or not Ilya Sorokin, um, Igor Chesterkin. Looking phenomenal so far this season, looking like the Vesna Canada finalist so far this season. It's been spectacular. Destroyed the Leafs that one night. I think he let one goal on 37 shots. Um, what do you think the Rangers are capable of this year? I know they missed the playoffs last season, but do you think that they are going to take a step up? Yeah, no, I definitely do think they will. I For uh, them missing the playoffs last year, I do believe Putin is to blame. <laughs> uh, him holding Artemi Panarin really hurt their team. But now that he's back, 82-game uh, season, they have guys like Mika Zabinijad. Uh, Philip Chittel, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not too sure. Sammy Blaze, Kevin Rooney. I love their offense. And uh, like Ty, you said your favorite goaltending tandem was New York Islanders. Right now, my favorite goaltending tandem is the Rangers. I just love Igor Shesterkin and Alexander uh, Georgiev. Georgiev, yeah. Georgiev, yeah, very underrated goaltender. Um, I think he's a very solid backup goaltender. And Chesterkin, uh, I would have, just like I said about Sorokin, I do see him being a Vesna uh, candidate. And someone who going into the season, I saw as a, a Vesna candidate. 
So, yeah, great to see him living up to that. But talking about the Rangers, I do want to talk about their young players, Lafreniere and Kako. Kako usually is on that line too with Stroman Panarin. I'm not sure. I think he's injured right now, if I'm wrong. But when he's back, you know, when he's back, I expect him to be placed with Panarin and Strom again. Very good second line. And then Lafreniere, um, a little bit up and down, but I do see him breaking out in the next year or two with Sabina, John, and Kreider on that line, who's been very solid so far. Um, but the one downside of this team is that they lost Buchnevich, who was very good last season. I'm not sure why they made the trade. I'm not sure if it was a financial thing, but that was a very questionable new move for that team. Yeah, I think I covered most of it up, but I'd also like to mention that they have a couple of grindy players on their team, like Chris Kreider and Ryan Reeves, that I know not a lot of people like, but it's always good for a team to have these players to stand up for your teammates, and it's necessary to be going into playoffs with these type of players to protect your star players. Yeah, Ryan Reeves, they got for almost nothing, and seeing what happened to Penarin last year against the Capitals were... I think it was, I think Tom Wilson took him out after the play. That was very dirty play. I'm not sure how he didn't get suspended for that, but adding Ryan Reeves for the playoffs, but also like the divisional rival matches will be very crucial in keeping players safe, but also just adding that extra grinder type play that they don't really have. And they and they finally added a piece like him trying to get the past two, three seasons now. Yeah. So yeah, moving on from the Rangers, at number three, I have the Canes. I do like the Hurricanes as a team. They have a great forward line in Aho, um, Svechnikov, and Nietzsche. And then also guys like Turavine and Kakaniemi, and a very underrated centerman in Vincent Trocek, who Cameron I know is very high on. And... Another signing I really liked that they did this offseason was adding Tony D'Angelo. Yes, his reputation has been pretty hurt the last year or two, but throughout his junior career, I think he will return to the New York Rangers form we saw from him two seasons ago where he put up 53 points in, I think, 60, 67 games. So power play quarterback for a very solid team. I think he'll fill in for Dougie Hamilton very nice in that role. But is there any any, any players you want to discuss on the I'll take this one. Um, yeah, I, I really like this team, and they're looking pretty decent right now. They have uh, their second line with Svechnikov and Trocek and uh, Natchez, and I really like that line. I also like their defensive depth. They have uh, Bear, the former Euler, and uh, Slavin leading that first line, and Ian Cole and D'Angelo on the third line. I really like that defensive pairing. D'Angelo, a nice playmaker, and Cole, a solid defenseman. Yeah, a couple of players I wanted to zoom on is Jesper Kachikanemi, who actually signed that huge six mil contract, which seemed more like a revenge contract for the Carolina Hurricanes after uh, Montreal tried offer sheeting Sebastian Aho. Uh, but other than that, I do really like their goalies. They got away from the injury po- uh, sorry, injury prone Peter Mirazik and Brandon Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta. I'd say another underrated goalie tandem. Uh, Ritter, I know you're a big goalie guy. What do you feel about it? Yeah, Frederick Anderson had, a, I think, one or two 
seasons with the Leafs, but I do see him bouncing back. He is on on a new team, fresh start for him. I do see him finishing as a top 10 goaltender this year, just getting a little bit ahead of myself on the um, positional ranks. I do have him in my top 10. So yeah, keep an eye on him this season to really bounce back. But speaking about their been on Tiranta has had a pretty injury prone past couple of seasons. I know you talked about uh, Peter Mrazek, but Ranta is in the same boat as him. He, I think he's been injured the last two seasons, barely played. So hopefully this year that that doesn't happen again. Yeah, uh, he, I know Antiranta back in Arizona was always, I believe he was always in Darcy Kemper's shadow. Yeah. Hopefully here he'll get some more playing time. Uh, injuries obviously a concern, like you mentioned, but I don't see him being too too much to fear this season. Yeah, uh, last to talk about was their defensive core. I think you did bring that up already, but... Slavin is one of the best defensive D-men in the NHL. And then having Ethan Bear alongside him, that'll give him a good shot. Kind of like in the similar role he had with Edmonton Oilers being on that top pair. But yeah, I, I am liking that defensive core and how they're structuring it. I like their second pair in um, Pesky and Ski. I don't know how to say his name, but huh. I yeah. did pay attention to them last year. And I think they're a pretty solid pair. So, yeah, I, I think they improved this offseason. Yes, losing Dougie Hamilton was a loss. And losing Fogel, who is a very good third-line player. But bring in Ethan Bear, who I could see breaking out this season. And guys like Tony D'Angelo and Kakeniemi. Yep, uh, I have them roughly in the same position they were last season. So, yeah, I definitely see them as a playoff team. But I'll leave it up there. So, at the fourth position... Might be a hot take, but I am very high on the New Jersey Devils this season. They have looked very good to start the season. Dougie Hamilton looking like a huge addition. He has a very important role with this team as he's starting to become more of a veteran in the NHL, very serviceable defenseman who can play on their top pair and their PK one and power play one. So that is a very big addition for them. Um, it's an upgrade from having PK Subin on the power play one who is looking a little bit wild up now but yeah jack hughes injury as an owner of jack hughes i don't want to see that because he is gonna have a breakout in store and i don't want this to be a setback for him but talking about the devils is there any young players that you're really liking on this team so far yeah for me uh he played his first nhl game the other night i believe nico Doss with uh mackenzie blackwood being injured, this gives him the opportunity to prove himself in the NHL. I didn't actually get to watch that game, but I've just from what I've heard, he's been very solid. Uh, but for me, though, I don't know if I would have New Jersey over teams like Washington and Pittsburgh this season so far. I know, brother, you're very high up on them, and I don't want to argue this, but yeah, I don't know if I can see him making the playoffs this season. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Ty right there. I, I don't know if I see them in that fourth spot. Sport, fourth spot. I uh, With teams like Pittsburgh and Washington in that division, I just I don't know their chances. If their chances are likely, it may happen, but I just don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I, reasonable just considering that they are in the Metro division, which I would say is the the best division in the NHL, I'd say outside of the um, Blue 
brackets, all of those teams are elite. But the reason for why I have the Devils making the playoffs is based off the Dougie Hamilton signing and then the breakout back Hughes, but also having Nico Heischer back in the lineup this year who missed most of last season. But even looking at their four group, adding guys like Thomas, having Igor Shrinkovich as a breakout candidate, and then Pavel Zaka, who was a former sixth overall draft pick, picked over guys like Miko Ratnan. Um, yeah, that, I'm sure they regret that pick, but he currently is doing well. He's on the top line with Heischer and Sharangovich. So yeah, they are a sleeper team, and they aren't favored to make the playoffs, but if they continue what they're doing right now, I they will make the playoffs. And when Blackwood's back and Bernie's back, Blackwood, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. And adding guys like Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton will only give him more, uh, a bigger safety net in front of him. Yeah, that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, I think now we can move on to the next team. Yeah, we should uh, do that now. I think... Um... So my fifth team is the Flyers. Uh, Carter Hart looking like a uh, bounce back hand at this season. Last year was horrendous for him. It was one of the worst goaltenders. And yeah, they did make some defensive additions by adding Ryan Ellis, who is a very good defensive D-man. We saw him excel in Nashville, and that was a big loss for that team. But yeah, what do you guys think about the Flyers? Yeah, okay. For the Flyers, I, I think they're off to a pretty good start here. They have um, pretty good offensive depth in their team, I think. But I don't, I'm don't. i not sure about their defense here. I, I'll pass this off to Ty for now so I can look at them. Yeah, well, I know, Birdie, you're very high up on Cam Atkinson last year and the year before. I do like him on that second. He'll be off to a very good start so far. Uh, their depth, I feel, is very good with guys like James Van Riemsdyk and Oscar Lindbaum on the third line. Uh, Defensive-wise, I know everybody isn't the biggest fan of guys like Rasmus Ristolainen, but honestly, I'm willing to give Rasmus Ristolainen another chance on, on a new team. Obviously, Buffalo, one of the biggest poverty franchises in the league, Almost nobody is able to perform on a team like that. But now he's getting an opportunity on Philly, and I feel like he's going to perform a lot better than expectations. Yeah, Joel Fairby's looking like a breakout candidate for this season. Um, I, I heard that he was being considered for the uh, Team USA Olympic team, which is awesome oh, yeah. for him. But yeah, even guys like uh, Kevin Hayes, who are not in the lineup right now, like their four group's always been very loaded. And Cam Ack. I feel like is an upgrade for Voracek just because of his style of play, adding uh, another right winger to the team. But I feel like, you know, if you look back to Columbus in 2018, he put up, I think, 42 goals. I don't see him having a season like that, but I feel like he's going to add to that second line with uh, Joel Farabee. And when Kevin Hayes returns, it'll be him centering those two. Yeah, Yeah, looking at their defense here, I like the look of it, actually. <laughs> Yandel on the third line with um, Sealer, I, I believe it's pronounced, and um, Provorov and, or, on the first line with Braun, and then you have Sandheim and Ristolino on the second line. It's pretty deep defense, and I believe that they have good enough to make maybe 
the playoffs this year, but with such a deep comfort division, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, their defensive core does look a little bit better than last season. Keith Daniel is a great power play quarterback, and he's been known as that throughout most of his career. But talking about the defensive side of things, Ryan Ellis is a huge up. Uh, Ristol Linen isn't the best defensive demon. We kind of know that, but looking at his offensive capabilities, him and Provorov are capable of putting up 40 points. But yeah, moving on from the Flyers, my sixth team in the Metro Division is the Capitals. Might be a bit low for you guys, but my reason for them being low is I just think they take a step back. It's just their core is getting older. And But just seeing how they've played so far this season, I look completely wrong. Ovechkin and Kuznetsov have been some of the top players this season so far. And then even guys like uh, Orlov have been pretty surprising. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, the Washington Capitals are looking very good this season. Uh, these guys like Nicholas Backstrom, who's currently injured, uh, we know that that first-line center always bounced between Kuznetsov and Backstrom. But now that Evgeny Kuznetsov has taken over that first-position role with uh, Backstrom out, I do feel like he's proving himself more. A player I did want to zoom in on is uh, John Carlson. With Kuznetsov and Alexander Ovechkin having such good seasons, why do you guys think that John Carlson isn't having the same? Well, I think it's just all about opportunity. And sometimes a player, like, will get off to a slow start. And, you know, you're not always going to be the top point scorer in the league, and it's fine. But as long as he's playing his role as being a playmaker, doesn't mean you're always getting the points, right? So I believe that he'll pick it up, but I think he's still doing his job. Yeah, like Cameron brought up about playmaking ability, assist doesn't necessarily equal playmaking yeah, it does represent, um, you know, making a play in like this, like you pass it to another player and they score. But you're also thinking about someone who could space out the um, offense and create opportunity for the players. And seeing that he only has one or two points to start this season and that Ovechkin and Kuznetsov are like top of this uh, statute right now, I am a little bit surprised that he doesn't have more points, but Knowing John Carlson being like a 60-plus point scorer, that'll probably change pretty soon. Yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. I think we're good to move on to the next. Yeah, um, it's weird seeing this team at number seven, but that just shows how stacked this division is. But at number seven, I have the Penguins. Uh, questionable team. Um, I don't really know what to expect of them. Last year, they did have the down year i believe uh in the playoffs they were disappointing once again tristan jari has been very up and down the last one or two years but what do you think about this team yeah this team is suffering from injuries a lot of injuries right now so it's affecting their play and they're missing their captain and malkin and chris letang i believe and brian rester who are all huge parts of this team and trying to stay successful without those guys for a long time it's going to be quite hard I don't know the exact situation with, with uh, each player but I I think Pittsburgh is 
on the downfall and eventually I think they're going to have to rebuild once, you know, Crosby is retired along with Malkin and stuff, but that's, that's a bit into the future, but they're starting to get older and I just don't know if they'll be able to make playoffs this year, to be honest, considering the division that they're in and how just deep that division is. So, Ty, off yeah. to you. Uh, well, I actually just had to go grab something uh, quickly, so I'm not too sure if you guys mentioned that uh, seven to one game the other night yet. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't. Uh, Pretty surprising. Okay, well, yeah. yeah, it's good to see guys stepping up, filling in the positions of the girls of guys like Chris Letang, uh, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, and Sidney Crosby, even Jeff Carter. Right, these guys yep. like John Marino, the former Edmonton Oiler, stepping up on that first <laughs> power play unit. Filling in the boots of Chris Letang. I, I like to see that. Uh, these guys like Brian Boyle. A bunch of role players on this team. Teddy Bluger. Guys, I'll do the job. Yeah. Ty, do you, do you believe they'll be able to keep this up without those players? Or do you think they'll need those players back eventually to experience success in this division? Well, everybody knows the Metro division is the toughest Uh I do believe that these players that are currently on injured reserve will be vital to the success. Yeah, yeah you guys are spot on. The missing Crosby, Malkin, Rust, Carter, and Latang going into this season. The reason for why I had them at seven was not necessarily because of their talent. We know that they're a, play- a playoff team, but considering that they're two top players, and even Brian Rust, who one season had 60 points, the fact that those three guys are out for at least one to two months, that was enough for me to have at the bottom of the Metro. Which is unfortunate. It's not necessarily their fault, but we know that those guys are so valuable to that team and being in the Metro, division, that will not be enough to make it. Yeah, no, the Metro division is just so tough. Yeah. All right, well, finish... Last team I'm going to talk about today is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who I have finishing eighth in the Metro. Um, they've been decent to start the year. Elvis Mers Lincoln's been phenomenal. I'm not too surprised about that. He had a fire inside of him going into the season. And yeah, very good goaltender. He's had a great seed percentage throughout his career. A very young career, actually. So yeah, that's great for him. Even Corpusalo looking like he's going to have a bounce back season. And then one guy I wanted to talk about quickly is Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is, I think, leading the team in points right now. I am an owner of him in fantasy, so it's great to see a young player like him take the next uh, or take jump in his career. Um, I think he's playing with Cole Sillinger right now, who is looking like one of the better rookies this season. Great opportunity for him to fill of a Max Domi who's out right now. Um, but yeah, do you think Columbus finishes last in the Metro or do you think that they might surprise and maybe even make it closer to a wild card position? I hate to say it, but Columbus, I do believe, will finish last in the Metro. It's just like we said, like we said multiple times, it's just way too deep of a division. And like, Put them in uh, the Atlantic division, and I'm sure they'll do a lot better. But it's just the Metropolitan division that's so tough. But a player I did want to talk about is uh, Yeager Chinakov, I think it's pronounced. Yes. He's currently playing on the third line of Jack Roslovich and Alexandria Tessier. 
I pronounced that incorrectly, but yeah, how are you guys feeling about him? I know he <laughs> was drafted this year, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that actually. I uh, was looking through the NHL lines and I did see his name, but uh, was he in the 2021 draft or is he an uh, older uh, player? I'm pretty sure he's in the 2021 draft. He kind of went under the radar, but. Hmm. So it looks like they have two 2021 draft picks in their lineup in Sillinger and uh, Chenikov. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great to see. But I feel like a team like Columbus, who has pretty low expectations for this season, um, they're okay to have some of these play. It's just the like they have a like they have the um, roster spots open for them to um, like right. You, like for example, look at the Edmonton Oilers, right? You don't want to bring Broberg up, but have them kind of stuck on the bottom pairing. It's not going to improve his game. They'd rather have him in the AHL getting 25 game. So, like, with a team like Columbus with not the most depth, they have a good opportunity, but also realistic opportunity to play. So, yeah, that's for them. Um, I think that this offseason they made some good moves in trading away Seth Jones and then getting a good young defenseman in Adam Bokefist and then actually getting... 12th overall pick, which selected Cole Sillinger, was a very underrated trade this offseason. And yeah, in the future, I feel like they will be a contender for uh, playoff position. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Cameron, do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, I, I'm i not really familiar with this team just because of, I'm not familiar with a lot of the players on the team, but I don't, I see them finishing at the bottom too, just because of what I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah the last much. thing I want to say about Columbus is Patrick Line. Um, do you guys see him as your biggest bounce back candidate for this season? Do you think he could reach 40 plus goals, or do you think that his Winnipeg days are behind him? Well, with Torts out of the way, uh, he's getting more minutes now on that top line, and I do believe, yeah, he will return to that old uh, Winnipeg form. Yeah, you know, I, d- I don't know if he'll be able to turn exactly back to his Winnipeg form, but he may be better, or he will be better, most likely, than he was last year, considering, like, all the tough times he had to go through with being traded and then COVID and everything. Just that messes with the player. So he's definitely going to be doing better this year, I think. Yeah, Tortorella being gone, I don't mind the coach, but he was not a good fit with Columbus with the kind of core that they had, like a very young team in line A who was offensive oriented he's a sniper and then Tortorella kind of utilizing him in the wrong ways it definitely hindered his production he wanted him more of a power forward when he obviously isn't so yeah that definitely hurt him consistently being moved around in the lineup like you'd have a day where he's on power one line one and then the next game he'd be on line four with like Nate Gerby and like Texi so yeah this year I would expect him to have a back season actually being line one and probably having a, a safe spot on that top powerfully unit. But yeah, that's all I have yeah. to say about this. Yeah, I think that concludes our analysis on the rankings this year. I think now it's safe to say we are able to move into our award predictions. Yeah, before we move to awards, so my, my playoff bracket for the West and oh. Eastern Conference... One through 16 here are my teams to the Western Conference. So at number one, I have the Knights. Number two, the Avalanche. Number three, the Oilers. 
number for the the stars, then the wild, the hawks, blues, and then getting the last playoff spot. I have the Canucks getting the third Pacific position, and then the Blues, even though finishing one spot ahead of the Canucks, I have them missing the playoffs because see the Wild and the Hawks getting the two wildcard positions. And then filling out the bottom of the West, I have the Flames, Kraken, Kings, Predators, Sharks, and then last place, I have the Coyotes. And then in the Eastern Conference at number one, I have the Islanders, then the Panthers, then the Lightning, Bruins, Rangers, I have the Leafs with the first wild card spot, Hurricanes at seven, and then the Devils getting the second wild card spot. And then filling up the bottom of the East, I have the Flyers, Capitals, Penguins, Senators, Canadians, Jackets, Wings, and then the Sabres finishing last. And then, yeah, going into um, awards, MVP is Connor McDavid. Would you guys agree with me on that? Yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. McDavid, obviously the most talented player in the NHL. Yeah, um, probably the most skilled player in history of the game, I would say, so far. Yeah. But the fact that the Oilers are a playoff team now, um, it just makes them more valuable. Like in the past, there was question marks whether he deserves to win it or not because they couldn't make the playoffs. But them being uh, almost a guaranteed a playoff position this year, just being in the Pacific Division, I would expect him to win the but also the Ted Lindsay. So like the, the players MVP, I think. Yeah. Players MVP. All right. And then move to the Norris trophy. My pick for this season is Kale McCarr on the avalanche. Would you guys agree with me on that one? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. So maybe, maybe Victor Hedman, but McCarr is a good pick as well too. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about Nakar's slow start to the season. But for me, I do believe that Victor Hedman will take back his James Norris trophy this year. A sleeper candidate I do have for it is Aaron Eckblad, though. Yeah, I like that you brought Aaron Eckblad up. I did have him as one of my other candidates alongside um, Dougie Hamilton. But moving on to the Selkie trophy, my pick for this year is Erickson Eck on the Wilds. I wouldn't even consider it a pick because last year he was a candidate. So, yeah, I think him being on the Wilds and having the number one center position now, unlike last year where they had Durask as the <laughs> number one center, um, I would expect him to get more time on ice and be a very important piece alongside Zuccarello and Rizov. Yeah, I do think the Selkie will come down to Erickson Eck or Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, I was about to mention the same thing. I think one of those two players, Bergeron or Eck. Yeah, um, Bergeron, definitely one of my candidates. I think he's won the trophy four times in his career, which is pretty spectacular. A very underrated player. Defense usually gets overlooked. You Most of the time, people look at uh, Ford's offensive capability, but I think most of the time... I think defense is the thing that should be prioritized more. Yeah. Right. And then moving on to my Vesna winner, looking at it right now, he doesn't look like it, but I think by the end of the season, I think Andre Vasilevsky will win it once again. What do you guys think about Vasilevsky? Yeah, definitely Vasilevsky hasn't had the strongest start to the season, but 
he he's the number one goalie in the NHL. He's proven that time and time again. I do see him taking home the Vesna. I see him taking the Vesna as well. After all, he's the best goalie in the NHL, and uh, I believe did he did he win MVP for uh, playoffs MVP playoffs last year, right? Yeah, I think yeah. So Conn Smythe. Yeah, that that just proves it all right there. All right, and then moving on to the Calder Trophy, I have discussed this before. My pick this year is Spencer Knight, but the only concern I have is that Sergey Bobrovsky is looking good, and the fact that he's being paid $11 million is going to be giving him the playing time that matches the money. So I'm not worried about Spencer Knight's skill and his ability. It's more the um, opportunity to play games. I think you guys could agree with me on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to set a goalie that you're paying so much. But yeah, do you think he could maybe take the starting position sometime this year? I don't That's know tough to that. say. Yeah, um, but other guys I could see being finalists for the Rookie of the Year would be like a Zras, a Drysdale, even like a Lucas Raymond, who's got, I think, four or five goals now on Detroit mm-hmm. and is on the line one power play one. So Detroit's not the best team, but with just the opportunity being on the top pairings should help his case. But yeah. Do you guys have any sleeper picks or um, other candidates for rookie of the year? Yeah. I'm um, a player. I wouldn't actually sleep on though is Maurice Sidey. Uh On the same team with Lucas Raymond, he's playing that number one defenseman role now. I definitely do like him. There's obviously Cole Caulfield on the weak Montreal Canadiens. I do believe he is falling out of the race, and it's turning more into a Spencer Knight and uh, Trevor Zegers race. But, yeah. Yeah, another goaltender who I could even see winning it is um, Jeremy Swayman, if he's able to take the starting position over Olmark. far, it looks like Olmark's still holding on to the starting spot, but... If he has a couple of rough games and Swayman gets the um, crease and is able to put up a good games, he might be able to steal it from Olmark. So I would not sleep on uh, Swayman this year. Also being on a good team, so that will help his numbers. But yeah, moving on to the Art Ross trophy, I have McDavid. Yeah, no yeah. arguments there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the- that's pretty expected. But here, I have a really good one here. The Rocket Richard Trophy. Going into the season, this was the safe pick. I feel like this was the f- going into the season. But Austin Matthews, as of now, it looks like there's zero chance. But it is early and things do change. But would you Do you guys still think Austin Matthews can win the Rocket Richard? Or do you think someone like Alexander Ovechkin, who has won it multiple times throughout his career, could take it again? I think he could still win it. I think it's still early in the season. They still have, what, 70, 75 or 76 games left? Yeah. That's a lot of time to score a bunch of goals. So, And he scored, what, 41 and 56 last season. <laughs> um, with 76 games, I think he could get a 50-goal season, 60-goal season still. Yeah, I yeah, think Matthews much. is having bad shooting luck. Like, I, I think he has over 20 shots on goal. 
So yeah, obviously bad shooting luck. He is getting the opportunities, just hasn't been able to bury any. Like I remember in overtime against the Rangers, Chester can robbed him. So yeah, I feel like he's had the opportunities, just hasn't been able to capitalize on it. Kind of like what we saw with Mika Zibanejad last season. Yeah, just for a sleeper pick for this uh, Norris, or not Norris, sorry, the Maurice Richard. I like David Pasternak, who actually won it, I think, two, three years ago it was. Or he tied Ovechkin for it a couple yeah. seasons ago. And, yeah, I would not sleep on David Pasternak this season. All right, um, moving on to the Lady Bing Trophy. I mean, these are kind of insignificant, but I just put up Giordano. He's the captain the new um, expansion team. I don't know. I just That's my pick. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, the Lady Bing's more of a... Not, I'm not going to say irrelevant, but... It's a minor award, considered. More minor award. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd predict Nathan McKinnon gets it this year. Just, uh, he's really... Like, he expresses a lot of sportsmanship in the game, and uh, yeah, I, th- I have him winning that trophy. I, I think, think that's Slavin could go back to back. Yeah, pardon. Uh, I do think Jacob Slavin could go back to back winning it. Oh yeah. Last year he only I think had uh, a couple penalty minutes in a whole season as a defenseman who is ice a lot. So very impressive of him. So yeah, great sportsmanship, uh, great um, impact on the game. Nathan McKinnon kind of know what he's like his character and how dedicated he is to the game of hockey so i do like cameron's pick but yeah moving on to the king clancy trophy um you guys might laugh about this one but it's i i have Piki suban he was a candidate this season um he's done a lot outside of hockey for charity work and stuff so great guy off the ice um i have him as my pick for this year uh, yeah. yeah, my pick for the King Clancy this year would probably be uh, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really pay attention to a lot of players' contributions outside of hockey. So uh, I'll stick with the Subban opinion here. Yeah, no Subban. Yeah, um, next, we're just wrapping up the awards. The Masterton Trophy, I have Kevin Hayes. He's obviously going through a lot right now with the injury and then the loss of Jimmy Hayes. Um, I only wish him the best, and I hope that he's able to return soon. Um, he's my pick for this year. Yeah, the loss of a brother is really tough, and I don't see any other way that they wouldn't give him the trophy. Yeah. Yep. And then for the last award, the Jack Adams Trophy, or what's known as the Coach of the Year. Speaking about how high I am on the New Jersey Devils to make the playoffs, I feel like it'd be only right to give Lindy Ruff the Jack Adams, being a surprise team. I feel like whatever team makes the playoffs, or like the the, uh, biggest surprise team to make the playoffs this year, will win the trophy. Would you guys agree with me on that? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you go uh, sorry, okay, my bad. Uh, I do think if the New Jersey Devils end up making the playoffs, Lindy Ruff is definitely going to be a candidate. Another coach I do like is Barry Trotz on uh, the Islanders. Yeah, me too. I love the Islanders coach. 
Do you think if the Kraken made the playoffs that their coach would be a candidate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that would be a pretty great way to stop start off their um, first season. Season that'd be a great way. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I think we get to start wrapping up now. Yeah. Yeah, not much to talk about. We got a lot of our takes out the way, a lot of our rankings out, which is great. Now we can kind of focus on the present rather than the future. So, yeah, we're just going to have to keep watching the NHL season. Lots going on, uh, lots of hot teams, lots of uh, cold teams right now, but things change fast. And, yeah, it's just only, like, what, eighth through the season? It's very long season. It's only been two weeks. And we have about 20 more weeks to go, so lots in store. Yep. Long season yeah. ahead. Lots of exciting things. I know we've mentioned this before, but I think next weekend we can uh, finally get our first guest. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yes. Eh? Yep, that's just only going to make this podcast more fun. Whoever is on this, we will be. Um, they will be pretty involved in this. Um, getting another voice in the podcast, maybe having some other opinions which we can discuss. I know a couple of our buddies; they they have pretty interesting um, takes. But yeah, yeah, I think that sums everything up. Okay, yeah, that was a good episode, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it here. And uh, have yourself a good day. Yeah, yeah thank nice you guys. Listening. All right, see ya, boys. See ya. See ya.